Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, welcome to Talking Timber. I'm Chris Bivens, filling in for Diane Mettler. This week, we're talking to Eric Burke, Natural Resources Staff Officer at the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest. He'll be talking about his career with the National Forest Service and all of the different opportunities that exist for someone who might want to get into the National Forest Service. In the meantime, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation, who are dedicated to providing sound technical education about the forest industry. This year, the Pacific Forest Foundation is involved in a variety of educational programs, like its Adopt a High School program, an apprenticeship program with loggers and high school students. You can check out that program and others at www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Also, we want to thank our sponsors, Timberwest Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal. You can subscribe now for free just by going to their website, www.forestnet.com. Okay, now let's hear from Eric. Okay, so uh, my name's Eric Burke. Uh, currently, I'm the Natural Resources Staff Officer on the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest um, here in southwestern Oregon. And so basically, um, obviously, the uh, Forest Service is part of the uh, United States Department of Agriculture. And uh, there's multiple <laughs> multiple forests and regions across the, uh, the nation. And uh, mine happens to lie here down in southwest uh, Oregon. Uh, we manage about 1.8 million um, acres of national forest land. And my job in particular, um, it's a little bit difficult to explain. I get asked this all the time. And I, I basically say I, uh, <laughs> I manage the, the living portions of, of the forest. So one of the staff officers um, is kind of what I consider my counterpart on the other side. So he deals with um, everything non-living, if you would. So archaeology, okay. engineering um um uh, recreation th those sorts of things so on my side i'm the staff officer for natural resources so i oversee um soils fisheries uh nepa compliance wildlife range botany um foia uh timber sale uh, administration timber sale contracting timber sale management so i again kind of <laughs> go with the, everything living is is the folks that uh that reside underneath me okay and um so i in a sense um i do more people management these days than actual natural resource management so i manage the people that manage the natural resources so my staff is supposed to um in turn support the five different districts that we have um across the forest so you know we may have a shortage of an aquatics person on one of the districts so my my person would go help fill in there. And so they're constantly monitoring what's happening on the landscape, the actual boots on the ground and offering support, uh, you know, providing funding, providing any sort of specialist input that may be needed for a, a given project. Okay. That's kind of my, my job in a nutshell. It's, it's more complicated than that, but it's, uh, you know, day to day, you just, uh, what do they call it? Other duties is assigned. Okay. Um, so how did, how did you get started in the Forest Service? Oh. Um, grew up in Northern California um, in kind of the Red Bluff, Chico area. Spent most of my um, childhood growing up in Los Molinos, which is right between Chico and Red Bluff. Um, just a small little farming community in the middle of nowhere. And uh, spent a lot of my time outdoors, you know, swimming in creeks and ditches and building forts and riding bikes and 
going off rope swings and just doing what you know a, a young young boy would do. Um, so I, I guess my my uh, love for natural resources kind of started back then as we were constantly outside. And uh, as I went into high school, I, I found a, a bit more of an interest. We had a um, uh, uh, attractive land uh, close to our school that was the Die Creek Preserve. Um, it was kind of the um, Ishi's um, stomping grounds, if you would. And so we used that to, um, you know, go out and learn about Native Americans and, um, you know, a lot of the natural resources that, that happened up in the, in, in the foothills and um, a lot of the history there. So I, I kind of was attracted to natural resources then. And uh, so graduated high school and um, started my college career at Butte College um, there out of Oroville, California. And decided to major. Honestly, I didn't know what I was going to do at that point in time. Okay. Um, so I took a class that was that was kind of a career direction, and uh, it kind of pointed me in the in the science and, and natural resources direction. So um, I kind of found um, a uh, an interest in environmental horticulture, also known as landscape architecture, if you would. Found out that they had a uh, a program there, so I started taking um, horticultural classes. So anyways, by the time I graduated there, I had a, uh, an associates of science degree in environmental horticulture. I also got a degree in uh, liberal arts and also a degree in behavioral social science. Um, okay. I, I, I tried to further my landscape architecture direction. I applied for um, Cal Poly uh, State University down in San Luis Obispo and I was accepted. And you know, in the meantime, um, I was always working uh, for my dad. So when I turned 15, my dad, who owned a logging company, started okay. it from the ground up, um, you know, with a self-loader and just, you know, kind of being a Jippo log truck driver. Um, he'd grown the business um, since prior, prior to me even being born, he started the business. And so the business had grown into, um, you know, kind of a, a mechanized type of operation and fairly sophisticated. And uh, so in the meanwhile, during the summers, I was always working for my dad. Um, you know, when I was 15, I started running parts, refueling equipment, and, um, you know, just kind of being out in the woods. I wasn't able to operate any of the equipment and mm -hmm. uh, started running chainsaws at the age of 16, doing slash work and just, you know, running around landings and just being out there on logging, active logging operations involved um, with a lot of what was going on out there. When I turned 18, my, my dad said, you know, there's your cat and there's your skidder. Go, go skid logs. <laughs> <laughs> and so the uh, the crew trained me up on how to operate equipment. And I got pretty darn good at it, actually. Um, so again, going back to the education side of things, just about the time I was ready to um, go down to Cal Poly and, and do the um, landscape architecture thing, I really had a kind of a, uh, a change of heart and, and did some soul searching and I said, you know what, I've been kind of doing landscaping on a landscape level as I'm logging. I love being out in yeah. the woods. I love being out in nature. You know what, I'm going to try something different. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this thing called forestry. So I looked into forestry schools. Cal Poly also had a forestry department. Um, Oregon State University was um, extremely attractive to me. But the out-of-state tuition at the time was, it just wasn't going to happen. I, I couldn't afford to, to get up to, to Oregon. So um, the next best school in California at the time was Humboldt State University. And I said, you know what, I'm going to go check that out. Um, so anyways, applied to Humboldt State, got accepted into the forestry program with an emphasis on forest production. And um, given all my time at Butte College, I was able to uh, get in and get out in about three years. And by the time I was done with my third year at Humboldt State, I really just wanted to go to work. I was, I'm done with school. You know, I've got a a bachelor's degree now in forestry with the minor in environmental ethics and just 
pretty much ready to go to go to work. And as I was going to Humboldt State, you know, I had approached my dad and said, hey, dad, you know, I want to think I want to take over the the company logging business. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm sure as a dad, that probably just made him feel really good. Um, you know, lo and behold, the the downside of this is um, he didn't talk about it a whole lot, but the the prior few summers and, and years that had passed by, um, the, the company wasn't doing so well. We had a um, an aging workforce. Um, workman's comp insurance had skyrocketed. Fuel prices were through the roof. Um, just constant upkeep on equipment. You know, obviously the the timber market fluctuations were were really taking a hit on the company. And uh, shortly after, I'd asked my dad if you know if this if this was possible. He said, "Well, son, you know, I think um, I got something to tell you. We're we're going to liquidate the company. We're we're folding up." Um, I kind of broke my heart as I'm going into forestry and, you know, gearing up for this. I'd had my boots on the ground, some experience out in the woods, and now I was going to get my education. Everything was lining up. And then, you know, the, the company business folded. So once he told me that I was, I had graduated and I took some, um, some side jobs uh, during the summer working for a company called Applied Force Management out of uh, Grass Valley, California. And uh, did some um, timber marking and layout, working on THPs drafting THPs and doing all the field work that's that's involved with putting together a, a timber harvest plan in California. And uh, I stayed in touch with with those folks. So directly after I graduated from Humboldt State, I went to work for uh, Pacific Lumber Company um, out of Scotia, California. And Pacific Lumber Company had a mill, um, and then they also owned their own timberland. So I went to work for them um, in the civil culture department, planting trees and running uh, tree planting crews. And um, herbicide crews and, and going out and doing a lot of the reforestation um, work for, for the company, which was really cool. I got to experience um, the side of the redwood curtain behind the curtain that nobody actually gets to see about. It's, you know, all of the industrial timberland uh, that's owned by uh, Green Diamond Pacific Lumber Company, which is now Humboldt Redwood. Mm-hmm. All, all of the productive, you know, uh, industrial redwood ground, I got to pump all around that and see all just the, the nooks and crannies of the, the redwoods. And, um, you know, most people think about the redwoods as, oh, they're so beautiful because they're driving the avenue of the giants and they don't get out and actually walk the ground. I've seen the most gnarly ground <laughs> in Humboldt County yeah, and having yeah. trees on it and the freezing cold rain. And so uh, anyways, um, I spent about a year and a half with um, Pacific Lumber Company. And again, staying in touch with Applied Forest Management, um, I had kind of I wanted something else. I was just kind of doing grunt work at the time, but I was still getting a quality experience. Little, little did I know, you know, you get into a crappy job and you're, and you're thinking, why am I doing this? But, you know, you're still gaining experience, whether it's through people, whether it's through uh, the workings of a company, whether it's just boots on the ground, actual, uh, you know, doing some measurements and working with the tools, the forestry tools out there, you're getting experience one way or the other. So, Anyways, um, I had contacted uh, Applied Force Management kind of when I was done with this job and, and said, hey, are you guys looking to hire anybody? And lo and behold, um, they said, yeah, we're actually looking. We just had a tech that just quit. Do you want to come on? And I, and I said, yeah, that, that sounds great. Hi, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timber West Magazine and the Canadian Logging and Sawmilling Journal. Due to the coronavirus, the 2020 PLC Congress has been moved to 2021, but that doesn't mean they won't be active and involved this year, promoting sound, technical forest education. Their annual auction will be virtual this year and held December 16th, 
2020. To find out more, just visit www.pacificloggingcongress.org. Okay, now back to Eric. I worked for them for, oh, I think it was about seven years. Um, so in, in the meanwhile, as I'm kind of navigating, what do I do now that I'm not going to take over my, my dad's company? I said, well, you know, here in California, we've got the registered professional uh, forester's license. And that's kind of like your key to managing state and private lands uh, in the state of California. So that was my next career goal. And uh, while I was there at uh, Applied Forest Management, I, uh, I let them know, hey, you know, I'm, I've been writing THPs and somebody else to sign an off on them. I've been doing all the work. I, I want to become a, a licensed forester in California. They said, okay, great. So they paid for me to take the test. Um, hardest test I've ever taken in my life. Um, I actually uh, didn't pass the first time. It, uh, it, it's, a, it's a hardcore test. It's similar to a test that, um, you know, an engineer would take to, you know, the bar test or, you know, a doctor would, would take sure. to become a licensed doctor, you know, this is to become a licensed forester. So you got to know uh, a lot about a lot. Mm. Um, so anyways, second round, um, I passed and, uh, you know, always forward thinking, I'm, I'm wanting to take the next step and do the next thing. And, and I kind of approached these guys and said, Hey, man, I've been, I've been doing a lot of a uh, lot of hard work here at the level of an RPF. I'm now an RPF, I think I should maybe be getting paid at R RPF wages. And Again, with the recession at the time, I understand their their financial concerns. They said, you know, we can't really do anything. We understand that. Um, bear with us, and you know, I can only I can only take it for so long. So um, that's when I started kind of looking into um, you know reflecting back on my dad's business, and you know, he retired and basically had Social Security as his retirement. Um, he's fine with, but that's not the route I wanted to go started looking at, you know, some of the broke loggers that I've been talking to and some of the other private industry forcers that re-retired. And, you know, I, I kind of asked myself, you know, as I'm looking at these people, the, the only folks um, that seem to be happily retired and fairly well off are people that have worked for the county or the state or the feds. You know, I talked to quite a few retired Forest Service people and, you know, they were they said I've been with the Forest Service for 30 years. I've got benefits, and you know I'm I'm getting my my pension and Social Security and my my TSP, and everything's great. So I'm kind of like, all right, well maybe this is the route. Um, so uh, I I started applying for stuff within the proximity of Grass Valley, California, and these jobs kept on coming up in in Oroville. And I'm like, okay, well, and they were always like timber jobs, timber sale administrator, uh, forest service representative, contracting officer, timber sale prep layout, those types of jobs. So I threw my hat in the ring there several times and I got hired on um, Plumas National Forest. That was my first foot in the door with the federal government and, um, as a timber sale administrator. So it was kind of funny that um, I was going out into the woods to these logging offices operations and these are loggers that I already previously knew and that knew my dad and so I already kind of had a reputation out in the woods um, it was really neat to be on the other side of, of the more regulatory side of, of things um, rather than to be the guy that's on the piece of equipment as I was working there um, the uh, timber management officer also known as vegetation management officer came available on the Tahoe National Forest which was literally just across the uh, the river from our district boundary. Uh, and that was out of Camptonville, which is about a half hour north of Nevada City, California. 
So I threw my hat in the ring there. Um, just thinking, Hey, I've got time and grade. I've modified my resume. Let's see what I can do. And lo and behold, got a call from the district ranger and said that, you know, we've, we've reviewed your application. Uh, we'd like to pull you on as the timber management officer up here. You've got the experience, you've got the license, you've got some street cred with the federal government now. And boom, there I got promoted to a, a GS 11, um, uh, working out of the Yuba river ranger district on the Tahoe national forest. Um, so uh, again, doing timber sale layout, managing crews that were doing the layout, putting the contracts together. I was the supervisor of the timber sale administrator. So I was getting my supervisory experience, um, at this position, which, uh, which was very helpful. Um, during this time, I also, uh, was approached by my ranger and they said, wow, we noticed that, you know, you've got some leadership skills. Do you ever think about doing any, any leadership training? And I said, no, not really. I'm, I'm, I'm just me. And they said, well, we, we want to put you through this. Um, it's called the Beginning Leaders Program. And it's essentially kind of a master's level uh, program that you put that put you through where you got to read books and do reports and put together a project and interact with folks from all over the federal government. I had people in my group that were Marines. I had people from um, the EPA in there. I had people from, you know, you name it. They were from all over the place. So really cool leadership development. Um, uh, that I had the opportunity to go through. And here I am kind of looking at, at, at the Forest Service going, wow, man, this is really cool. I've got, you know, all, all sorts of, you know, annual leave and sick leave and credit hours. And uh, it's just really a friendly, family-oriented kind of a place to work. And here, wow, they're going to put me through this leadership training? How cool is that? So I went through that training. It was um, very rigorous. Uh, which set me up for the next training that I, that I went to, which was the middle leader program. So anyways, um, spent about seven years with the uh, Tahoe National Forest. And uh, I did a, um, a detail as the uh, the district ranger. My, my district ranger um, retired. And uh, the forest supervisor approached me and said, hey, what do you think? You want to you take on 120-day detail? And I said, yeah, sure, let's do this. And I really kind of got my taste as a, as a district ranger and uh, really liked it actually um, and uh, so fast forward this job up here in on the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest came available as the natural resources staff officer and so here we are um, you know I, I had had my first child at this point Martha well I should say Martha had the child yeah, yeah. <laughs> was the father. Um, uh, my beautiful daughter Sierra and um, shortly uh, three years after that uh, we had our, our second daughter Aspen and so here I'm kind of like, okay, I've, I'm at a crossroads here. I've established a family. I've got roots here in, in Auburn, California. I've got a decent job. Um, but there was still the side of me that wanted something else. Um, and so I applied to, the, to this job and uh, got the interview and got offered the job. So I went to my wife you know, one day and said, hey, I, I got the job offer. Um, I, I think we're going to be moving to, to Oregon. And you know, of course, tears of joy, tears of sorrow, because we've we'd had a whole bunch of friends established mm -hmm. there, and uh, you know, it was just kind of a, it was the biggest decision of my life to do, um, and so we we did it. We pulled up shop and came up here, and uh, you know, here I am on the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest. Been here a little over a year and a half. Really enjoyed the job. Really enjoy the area, and. You know, it was a tough year to get through to get up here, but looking back on it, I, I wouldn't have done it differently. Um, you know, it's uh, just, you, you got to make some, some tough decisions in life. And, and that was one of them. And kind of 
got to go in with no regrets sort of an attitude. Um, so it sounds like you are enjoying kind of more than the managing people side of it. Yeah, you know, I, I miss um, managing trees. I, I always say, you know, I went from managing trees to managing people. And I tell you what, <laughs> trees were a lot easier to manage because you know, make you mad, you just cut them down. Yeah, there <laughs> just you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, no, the, the people aspects, I mean, um, nobody likes to deal with conflict. Um, supervision, it's just, it's been a development for me. I never thought I would be in the position of supervising people and managing people. But you know, just throughout my career, I've, I've developed those skills and uh, it's kind of like second nature to me now. Mm -hmm. As you get higher up in the ranks, it's hard to find a position where you're not supervising people. Yeah, I think it's, it's easy for people to forget that that's actually a skill. Yeah, um, you know what I, I, I think some of the, um, the pleasure that I find in, in supervising people is when you can honestly make a change, when you can be a leader that is going to help people and, and move people's career forward rather than to be, I'm the boss and you work for me, you're below me, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you actually have the ability to change somebody's life, to change their perspective, to change their attitude, to change their, their family life, you know, that's really where I take a lot of pride and pleasure in, in what I do. And, you know, and, you know, the, the ultimate goal here is I'm, I'm working for the American people. I'm doing something with taxpayer dollars that's good for the environment. So that's, mm -hmm. that's really kind of where my foundation of, of, of pride. So what do you have anything you would say to anyone interested in getting into the Forest Service, kind of what path they should take? Yeah, um, a general statement, we need you. <laughs> we, we need you badly. You sound like all the loggers we talk to. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's funny throughout my my career, I've, I've seen this ebb and flow of um, uh, of foresters and firefighters and you know loggers, and then there's no loggers and mills shut down. Um, right now, we're currently um, we're having a difficult time finding foresters. Um, so you know, if, if folks were interested into it, similar to me, you know, dabble around with a few classes here, maybe do a summer internship do some volunteer work. You kind of, you'll figure out what, what you want to do. Maybe you're interested in, in parks. Um, and so, you know, there's a whole recreation side of the forest service. The forest service has many, many, many branches. You know, you could go do law enforcement. You could go cut trees. You could go fight fire. You could go sit in an office and be an administrator. You know, there's the sky's the limit in the agency. So I would just urge people to, um, you know, do some summer work. Um, do some tough jobs, uh, get some experience, get some street cred, get some, some uh, tread underneath you. You know, it's, I can't imagine how many crappy jobs that I've been in that I just, I stuck it out for at least the summer or a year or two years. I didn't just turn and run because like I said, I, I was gaining experience, whether I knew it or not, I was gaining some valuable experience. So, um, put yourself out there a little bit. Don't wait for somebody to come to you and say, Hey, do you want a job? You know, you kind of got to sell yourself. I, I urge people to get some, uh, get some private experience. You know, when I sit and review resumes, I like to see that private experience. So somebody that's been on the other side of the fence that, you know, they've, they've worked for a corporation or a grassroots nonprofit or something like that. Um, and then obviously you want to see a little bit of experience in the federal government. And that's usually the toughest part is people say, how the heck do you get into the federal government? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, USA jobs is, is how you do it. And, um, 
uh, this kind of goes back to the summer employment. We hire on a, a whole bunch of um, seasonal employees every single season. So that's with recreation, that's with timber, that's with you name it, range. Um, we've got it all. So the sky's the limit. <laughs> um, so, so do you think there's a shortage? Uh, it's harder to get people to work outside now. Do you think there's just a trend towards people wanting to get into you know, tech industries and that kind of thing? Absolutely, you know, and I'm not going to put any uh, negative connotation on on the millennials or anything like that. But I mean, that's the truth, though. There's there's more lucrative opportunities out there for a lot of the the younger generation. That's just that's the sign of the times. That's where we're at. Um, I think there's still a population of of people out there that you know really want to be in the outdoors and, and do that. And but it just seems like they're fewer and further apart. Um, mm-hmm. As you're looking for jobs, we've got this thing called the demo list where you fly a job and it's open to general public. That's how I got into it as I applied to a demo timber sale administrator position and pull these people in from the outside world for Pete's sake, just because they don't have federal experience. Yeah. doesn't mean you can't yeah. burn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, sa- it sounds like if you also you have a pretty wide range of jobs. So, I mean, even if you have somebody that's that's really interested in, if, you know, anyone from somebody who's interested in tech to somebody who does want to be out in the woods, it sounds like there's there's a, probably a job there for them. Yeah, I mean, you you could probably put a, a, a list of careers in a hat and pull out a, a name of a career and, and we've got it. I mean, you're absolutely right. We've got you know, we're starting to advance with technologies using drones, uh, you, you name it, <laughs> law enforcement, um, uh, human resources, uh, you know, you name it, anything from psychology to planting trees, everything wow, in wow. between. And, it, and it's just a matter of finding your niche. We need to backfill with, with a younger generation, mm-hmm. of leaders and managers. Um, and, and, and once you're in, if you want to do that, and if you've got a supervisor that supports you, you can get there. It's it's not a, well, that's just a dream where I want to go. You can actually get there. And the, the agency's really good about, you know, if you have the um, the notion to do something, they will support you. They will get you there. Uh, it's um, a yeah, challenging yeah. time, but it's, it's, it's a challenging career and I enjoy it. We'd like to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timber West Magazine and Logging and Sawmilling Journal for making this podcast possible. And most importantly, we'd want to thank Eric for taking the time to be a part of Talking Timber. Until next time, take care.